Hi, I'm Farah. And I'm Toby. And you're listening to Minority Retort. Today we're going to be talking about my pick called Saving Face. So just a spoiler alert, we assume you've watched the movies we talk about because we spoil all the major plot details. If you haven't watched Saving Face and would like to, come back to us later. Okay, so this movie is about a Chinese-American doctor called Wilhelmina Pang, or Will Pang, who meets another Chinese-American dancer called Vivian. Both women begin a closeted relationship, and the movie follows the steps they need to take to be together while balancing careers and their cultural heritage. Also, Will's traditionalist mother is pregnant, and she's also reluctant to go public with who the baby's father is. I feel like that that description makes it sound like a really kind of somber (laughs) movie, which it's not, right? So this is a romantic comedy, and it's a almost like a by-the-books sort of romantic comedy. I chose it because it was one of the first movies that really dealed with homophobia. So there's a few lesbian romantic comedies out there, and and they don't really do a great job with dealing with kind of the actual problems that um, queer couples face. But also, it wasn't a white homophobia. This is something that I think a lot of children of immigrants in Western countries have to deal with, which is the balancing of two sets of cultural expectations. And I think the movie very successfully navigates that while still remaining really true to its like rom-com roots so what do you yeah, think yeah. of the movie as you mentioned i i was actually quite shocked and disappointed that I'd, I'd never heard of it before i mean it's not entirely surprising because it's it's really the first and only feature film by director and writer alice Wu. but i was still kind of upset that i it just hadn't registered on my radar at all and i know it came out in at a time when i wasn't even aware of movies much so maybe that's why i i, I like the movie um uh, a lot or at least a bit or between a bit and a lot, <laughs> whatever that is. Mm-hmm. The first thing I have to say is what you just said, which is that it's nice to see a film about a, a group of people who should be represented more in, in sort of American popular culture, but who aren't. You know, As you know, I, I tend to be drawn to films that really sort of stretch film language a bit or are formally interesting. I've said this a lot, but I guess I came to quickly understand that the movie is not really, that's not its real aim. You know, it's it's really got a very strong social, cultural, sexual, political approach and interest. And and that's where its strength lies. And I mean, what did you think? I mean, you've seen it before. I assume you've you rewatched this movie this time. So initially, I really just enjoyed the movie. I mean, I watched mm. it as a teenager. To find a good rom-com, to find an intelligent rom-com is is very hard in the best of times. And to find an intelligent mm. queer rom-com is almost impossible. And I think my initial reaction was that was just... Uh, a pure enjoyment. And mm. and this time, I think it actually had me thinking on a deeper level about the film's purpose and and why we need films like this and what it actually achieved. But to go back to your surprise that you haven't heard of it, I mean, I think this, is, this film is really a great example of intersectionality at play in that this <laughs> film is about is a like a queer movie and b it's a movie i mean it's a movie about women and it's a movie about um Mm -hmm. immigrant women and chinese american women um and for that reason Mm -hmm. i think it it hasn't had the kind of success that way way crappier movies such as imagine me and you which is one of the most famous (laughs) lesbian rom-coms out there it's shocking to me that people so many people have watched imagine me and you and it's it's almost like uh staple like rom-com in like the lesbian and queer women communities and yet saving face which is just so much more superior and nuanced and fun is is not like as kind of mainstream and i think that's purely because who the characters are and the kind of story it's telling are people actively antagonistic towards films like this or is it more that the the film 
machine feels that people are not going to be interested in movies like this and therefore just fails to expose them, them, fails to talk about them, you know? You know, we're both immigrants. And in a culture where, like, white stories are seen as the norm mm. um, mm-hmm. and any other kind of stories is seen, seen as a deviation of the norm, there's this assumption that yeah. there can't be some sort of, like, universal universality to this relationship, even right. though we know. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sure if we sat down and showed many, many people this movie, they'd come out of it... Yeah. Um, you know, more introspective and having learned something about themselves and about maybe other cultures. <laughs> I mean, and I think actually I was I was just looking over its score on Rotten Tomatoes and, and looking about had, what people had seen. It actually got a really high score. But one of the yeah. most hilarious comments, um, which I, which made me love the movie even more, was by Scott Tobias at the AV Club, who I yep. he is like one of the reasons I have created this podcast because so much of what he says is just so problematic. But this is a gem. Okay, so he goes, the message here, as in every quirky, ethnic, romantic comedy. Okay, so you see that whiteness coming in there, right? So it's, it's not just a romantic comedy, it's ethnic romantic comedy. So the message here is follow your heart. I'm pretty sure that is the message that's, that's, of every that, romantic comedy ever. <laughs> in order to be noticed as a non-mainstream, quote-unquote, ethnic, I hate that term because it makes no sense. There's this idea that you've got to be better than the average. So for this film to really cons- be considered worth watching, it can't just be as good or even slightly better than the generic sort of white-based films. It needs to be somehow extraordinary. It needs to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. Otherwise, it's not good enough. Maybe it's taken out of context. I'm not quite sure what that context is. No, but, the, but it's, it, it is. It gets annoying. better. It gets better. So then he goes, but wouldn't it be great if for once the characters cared more about the continuity of antiquated cultural traditions than their own personal happiness? Question mark? What? It's like, wouldn't it be great if they could just say that homophobia is like something that they should just put up with and the movie could be about brown people just succumbing to homophobia and not being allowed to be happy? Right. What? Is that supposed to be sarcastic? Is that supposed to be sarcastic, that statement? No, no, no. This movie has such generous and empathetic characters and you really get come to love, even like the baddies in the movie, such as the traditionalist grandfather and father. You know, you yeah. really get to see their perspective. So the idea that you could watch this movie and and then say, couldn't this standard rom-com have been subversive in allowing its characters to not achieve the happiness that is part of a rom-com? I mean, that just it just really made me question why this guy could not empathize with these characters. And I don't think it's a fault of the movie. And so and so then I went to the full review and he actually says exactly that. He goes, if that had happened, then maybe this movie would have been more interesting. Right. And I think that's a double standard that happens with rom-coms as a kind of female genre. And besides all the race politics, because a lot of people will watch an action movie and they'll be like, well, you know, it was just chase scenes, but, you know, it is what it is. And for an action movie, it was pretty great. And it did all this cool stuff. I mean, you could very well say the same with this movie, right? It uses the traditional rom-com format. Um, But it does so with a political consciousness and it does so by providing rounded characters and great dialogue and really kind of zooming in on two women negotiating their culture. Isn't that enough to make that format subversive? Are you saying that every comedy with two ethnic quote unquote leads needs to end in their unhappiness? It's almost saying that we have these films that are mainstream that everyone knows about, they have a certain storyline. It's not enough to take that template and apply it to various types of people, various groups. Either you have the straight down the line 
mainstream stuff that we all get. Which stars white people, right. Or you do something completely weird and different. That's basically what it's saying. It's saying that there's no room for gradations of the general approach. The way I feel is it's exoticist in a way. It's a film that really looks at what it's like to live between two cultures, right? And that is actually something that we experience every day and I experience every day. The idea that like as children of immigrants and as immigrants, like we are always balancing these two cultures and it's ridiculous to say that we would go back to that like traditionalist heritage or values because that's not us. Like I grew up in Australia. I'm like in Australia. I'm Australian born and bred and the complexity of my life is that I'm existing in one culture and yet need to cater to to the other. It's just not at all even realistic to the character's narrative arc in the movie to say that they would give in to those traditionalist cultures because what the movie is saying and I think I want to go into the movie's use of the romantic comedy to explore culture and what it means to be an immigrant is that it's saying that look these people are actually like the new face of like Chinese America like the ending scene of the movie is well we're going to spoil it so the ending scene is obviously the two women get together and they're at Mm -hmm. a Chinese dance hall and the Chinese dance hall has typically been where they need to uphold their illusion of heterosexuality and the final scene is them coming together and you see Mm -hmm. some people leaving but you also see some people coming and kind of dancing with them and I think the movie is trying to say that hey look like we are operating now within these two cultures and we're coming together and it's something really wonderful and and so it becomes even more bizarre to advocate for that not to happen the last few scenes I initially found them to be tonally confusing or unexpected or inconsistent and I, I thought, you know, okay, so three months have passed and Vivian has come back from Paris and um, they're in the ballroom and um, Will comes in and she sees her. Now, when she actually goes up and they kiss, what's changed? Has something changed in three months? Has the community somehow become more <laughs> open-minded? And I, I started to realize, you know, it's not that. Sometimes your understanding or your impression of the milieu in which you exist is not quite what you think it is. There are many times when I've been surprised by people's reactions or reactions which I thought would be way more aggressive or more conservative, which actually were not. Being in this new country, being in this new culture means that the head has grown another head. It's 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 becoming more complex. It's become it's a tree with more branches. I think that's a really good starting point for a conversation I wanted to have by asking: Can a rom com successfully explore themes that a, a more realist or gritty or f- more philosophical film can as well? Um, and I'm thinking about last yeah. week's film, Wings of Desire, which was you know really fully about what it means to be human and life and what is enjoyable about being human. Maybe that one of the themes and I I kind of thought that this movie was a great example of exploring identity and culture but in a it's not fluffy but in a quite accessible format in terms of of romantic you know relationship this film is more successful than Wings of Desire I think that the romantic comedy is sort of I don't think it's a genre to be honest I just think it's uh it's just a mode meaning that it can be as gritty (laughs) or as fluffy as you want it to be it's a fantastic sort of um way in you know you can use it to explore anything you want and in this movie it's uh, to explore many complicated issues which are interlinked you could say it's a queer movie but is it is it a queer movie or is it more a diasporic transcultural story you know it's about all these things that being 
said, I don't know that I feel that it's a romantic comedy because I feel that the romance itself is not in any way a source of comedy. I mean, you could make the case that this movie is a drama. I do think it is a romantic comedy only because the director is obviously playing with a lot of the tropes of romantic comedy. So... For example, there is a wedding. Wilhelmina comes into her mother's wedding and disrupts it, right? And then Wilhelmina (laughs) herself then has to rush to the airport to make sure that Vivian doesn't go on a plane. But I think even in that, right, the director was trying to subvert that by, of course, making it like a mother-daughter thing where the daughter disrupts her mother's wedding. And when Wilhelmina runs to go and and get Vivian back, there isn't some dramatic kiss at the airport, right? The film is saying that both of them had to go away for three months and, and not really talk to each other and then come back to make that love real. One of the good things about this movie is that it doesn't simplify things. It doesn't say, well, you've got this group of people, okay, and there are minorities in the society in which they exist. And because of that, they are like all other minorities. Um, for example, there's a scene in which Will's neighbor, who's a black guy, comes in, and Gao, who's Will's mother, is mentioning the fact that too much soy sauce can turn you dark. And, and then in a later scene, she, she kind of insinuates or accuses Vivian of not liking black people. In all, this, in all these scenes, there is actually evidence that just because you are in minority and you, have, you deal with prejudices from other people doesn't mean that you don't have your own. It rings so true. And I think, I don't know Scott Tobias, and, and maybe he's a great guy, but I, I mean, that um, kind of approach to this movie by kind of labeling, labeling it as other, by calling it ethnic, and then holding it to some like ridiculous standard and not really understanding I think I feel like that that is a reaction to how this movie um, is so not involved with any kind of white gaze it really engages with this community as something that the writer and director herself um, is immersed in it's it's not saying that my personal happiness is more important than my traditions it's saying that why are the things that we do labeled shameful in our culture exactly we exactly. have the permission to critique our own culture and change our own culture because culture is a living breathing adapting thing. So what did you think about the relationship between Vivian and and Will? So the romance is a closeted one, um, particularly from Wilhelmina's family. Vivian's family is more accepting. I really like that they showed Vivian's family is accepting. One, because it shows a kind of different like aspect to Chinese American culture and saying that, of course, you know, there were people in their mothers' generations that didn't really see him like being gay or queer as that big of a deal. But it also kind of gave more substance to Vivian's approach to their relationship which was why can't we just come out and see what happens or like why can't you just embrace me as your partner Wilhelmina is dealing with like a very different set of expectations on her it's much harder for her to come out of the closet because her parents aren't or her pa- her mother isn't as accepting and I really like yeah. that because it because I think there's a lot of pressure for queer people to come out of the closet so I really liked that the movie was about her coming to terms with that but then also eventually succeeding because that happy yeah. ending is very I think one of the things like with this romantic comedy people are saying oh it descends into this happy happy ending but like happy endings do exist for people who are in the closet and then come out it, yeah. it happens all the time that you come out to unaccepting parents and eventually they come around i like that they showed that in the movie i can see where people would say well where was the development i mean what it just sort of seemed as though it out of the blue happened that they were out and you know together but that's kind of how it happens you know either you work yourself up to it and then you you make a decision to change your status to change the way people see you or to be honest about yourself and that's really it so Wilhelmina and yeah. Vivian kiss and you see a lot of people in the community leaving and complaining yeah. and dragging their husbands or their wives out and the crucial part of that is that 
the two central characters don't care anymore. It's not that yeah. they've suddenly magically everything is happy and they've changed the world, <laughs> right? It's that they've <laughs> been able to get to a point um, with themselves where they can say, "I'm going to be myself no matter what," and that's pretty. That's a quite a universal message in a way. And also because not everyone walked out, you know. I mean, some people walked out, but the thing is, by being honest, you you get a clearer sense of exactly what you have to contend with. Because I think this would actually be more true to how things work, you know. There's no doubt that it's a romantic comedy and follows a specific formula, mm -hmm. but it tries to avoid those sappy scenes and also tries to subvert those sappy scenes by adding an element of realism. What does Will have to lose? Because let's face it, she, one, is successful at what she does. She's self-sufficient. What exactly is she dependent upon with regards to her grandparents and her community that she's unwilling to take the risk of being open with? Is it just about the backlash that she doesn't want, the same backlash that she's seen her mother take? Or is it more that there's something more that she really values and really is gr gripping onto? I think that like you in real life have a lot of people who take ages to come out even though their families are very liberal. And I really think that's just because there is that fear of the unknown in her character and in her interactions with Vivian is just this fear that what will happen if I'm able to be myself not just as a queer person but I think just in generally like what will happen if I'm able to like let go and love you to me it seems as though this decision would be the first time she's really put herself out there in any way I think Will is someone who has been able to coast like Vivian has her own thing like <laughs> she has this kind of silly <laughs> subplot line where her dad wants her to do ballet and she wants to do yeah. more yeah. dance which frankly like <laughs> I guess that's a real thing but I also don't care yeah. that much and I think um, Vivian adds a little bit of complexity to the emotional struggle that Will's going through I mean I remember at the last scene when Will shouts after Vivian she goes like you know don't give up your dream of dancing modern just because like you want to get away from me and Vivian's like don't flatter yourself you know but she is kind of right like she Vivian is going yeah. towards a more acceptable thing mm -hmm. as almost like a as a safety net because this risk she's taken with Will hasn't worked out there's a safety in going with what is expected of of you, right? You don't need to put yourself out there and you're not responsible if anything bad happens because you've done what people say. I think one of the things the film is saying is that sometimes, sometimes it's worth it to go out on your own. But I, I don't actually think the film is only saying, hey, follow your heart, everything's going to work out, right? It doesn't end with Vivian being the, the most successful modern dancer in New York. There's still some room for us to, to see that, that there are challenges along the way. What about the mother? What about Gao? I think that the mother was portrayed in broader strokes than the two main characters and but I, I think that like kind of symbolically and for the plot line she played a really big role I mean first of all she is representing a non-traditional relationship and a non-traditional lifestyle that isn't queer and that's why I don't yeah. think this movie is explicitly like a lesbian rom-com it, yeah. it is actually about exploring non-traditional relationships within a particular context and then mm. I think like as the movie continues you, you feel this growing frustration with the mother not only is she not helping herself um, but she is doing something trans while simultaneously not giving her daughter the room to do something similar. And so I think right. that the process of sort of coming out, so there's the scene in the bus, which is the also the on the poster of the movie, and, and the yeah, mother's yeah. like, Will's like, well, why didn't you just be with him? And the mother was like, oh, yeah. I, I just didn't think that a younger guy would want to be with an older woman. And Will basically says, no, love con conquers all, right? Yeah. After that, I think it's realistic for three months later, the mother to say the same thing to Will. That's a good structural stripping down of the movie in that sense. And interesting is that 
her mother is aware of the fact that she's gay. And in those scenes where they're at home together, there's this sort of unspoken understanding that both both have transgressed in con- in the context that they exist. I'm curious to know what else Wu has done since and why she hasn't really made any more films, whether it's because she hasn't had any more interest in making movies, because the fact that she's a, a, a non-white um, woman, perhaps there's this feeling that she won't be able to make any movies that people can relate to. Yeah, I mean, this is so much better than so much of the drivel that comes out, particularly marketed to queer women or audiences. Some of yeah. the lesbian romantic comedies and like romances that are out there are just so pathetic. And for example, Imagine Me and You is yeah. just, it's just terrible. It literally ends with a car scene and like, I think she stands on top of her car and like shouts I love you or something to think that that is a bigger hit than this movie is is mind-blowing to me I mean it's, it's not the quality of her filmmaking that's the issue here really it rarely is it's always everything else it's just sad that you know people who have interesting voices or different things to say um, cannot say those things because there's a belief that no one wants to hear them when the fact is that people don't even know they exist so is this do you think a good film I, I definitely think it's a good film you know I think you probably like it a lot more than I do or a little bit more than I do. As I said, I've put aside my own preoccupation with form and appreciated that this movie is not about that. It's more about the content. And I think that when it comes to content, it's complex in a way that is accessible. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is more of a far film than a, a Toby film because it, it's really all about relationships and grappling with identity, which is exactly what I love. It's not formally that creative, but I think politically and sort of thematically, yeah, it has a lot to say for itself. Okay, so that's all we have for this week of Minority Retort. We'll be back next week with Topi's Pick. Just a reminder that you can find us uh, at our website, minorityretortpodcast.com. We also have a Facebook page if you just search Minority Retort. You can also email us at minorityretortpodcast at gmail.com and and finally subscribe to us on SoundCloud. (laughs) So definitely write in if you have um, any comments. We'd love to hear what you think about the movies that we review and the way we review them. And other than that, we'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.